You ready? Uh, again, I was born ready. What up? Cautiously optimistic, my favorite podcast of all time. And welcome back to Cautiously Optimistic. It has been a while, but we are very pleased to be returning to the airwaves with all of you. I'm Nick Osteller. I'm Jesse Brummel. I'm Selton Ingalls. And it is episode 76. We are now that much closer to 100, which is a goal we've been looking at ever since we hit 75, I believe. Oh yeah, ever since we hit 75 one episode ago, yes. it's been a goal for us, and now we're inching towards that. Um, it's nice to be here. It's nice to be back with you guys. Uh, well, at least back with Nick and back via call with Sully over there in Kansas. How you been over there, bud? It's been good, man. You know, it, the humidity is always an adjustment here. It's hot when you go outside. It's been 90 some days, that stuff. But work is good. The people of Kansas are good. Uh, and football season is right around the corner, so I'm excited to get out and get there. I'll be uh, covering some high school this week and then Kansas and K-State this weekend, so... Should be a fun time for all, and, and uh, it's a great time of year. Yeah, we have seen you getting after it, as they say, with your news reports there, covering lots of different high schools, lots of different sports. You're really uh, getting involved there, and it's good to see how has the uh, process been in terms of the reporting, and you just said the people are nice out there, but how, how, how are the athletes? I know you've been talking to a lot of people out there. Yeah, they're cool. You know, they differ from school to school. You have some more country kids. You have some more kind of, I guess, if you, if you would call it inner city kids. Um, just because Topeka is a, a wide-ranging town as far as uh, that goes. But all the kids are dope either way, and uh, I think I've, I've had some pretty positive interviews. I uh, like a lot of the coaches I've met with. Um, it's a different style of football out here than they play in California for sure. I think when you watch high school football in California, um, you see a lot of programs that like want to play that pro-style type of offense and really bank on throwing the ball a good amount. Um, or almost like the easiest NFL comparison would be like playing like the Packers or playing like the uh, the Steelers. Um, you know, they're going to have a lot of bubble routes and they're going to try and bomb it deep. And then they, hopefully they can have some running game, stuff like that. Out here, I see a lot of, uh, you know, kind of more of a power run game. Um, maybe whether it be, you know, kind of got like two backs in the backfield and you have a wing and they're sweeping across and you want to have some deception, things like that. A lot of people play that style of football out here, and then uh, when you have the weather come in, it certainly changes the game, which it does in Southern California, so it kind of is warranted. And also, the kids are just not as big out here. Maybe we're kind of spoiled in California, being you know one of the top recruiting states in the nation. I can remember kind of seeing kids, even when we were in high school, that were like, wow, this guy is absolutely gigantic. And I haven't really run into anyone like that out here yet. We have one kid in the area, Kai Thomas, who's a top... 150 prospect on ESPN and rivals and he's choosing I think between right now he's only a junior but I think he has offers from Kansas K-State and possibly on the one on the way from Oklahoma State so he'll definitely be a big 12 type guy but um, it's definitely just a a different brand of football out here that's interesting to hear and I don't know if this is a California bias or just me being ignorant but whenever I hear about you know football players or any athletes from Kansas or those states in there in the middle of the country you know you always hear like the big country boys like the grass-fed boys but I guess it's the opposite 
Um, well, you know, I think maybe, you know, I only cover a, a one section of the state. I'm in Northeast Kansas. All of West Kansas is kind of those real farm towns out there. Um, and I think they may have some boys like that. You know, when you watch, like I just finished up watching Last Chance U, the episode where they have the Kansas team. Mm-hmm. I know they have a lot of guys from out of state that play for that, but they certainly had some big Kansas boys on there too. So they got to be around the state somewhere, but it's just not like it is in California or Florida or Texas where you just have dudes that are not only big, but also athletic and can move and, and, and do their whole thing, you know? And I think a lot of those, those big corn fed guys end up being, um, you know, like Nebraska, Wisconsin, not necessarily yeah. as much Kansas, not to say that they don't have them out there, but um, those real white collar, like, those just like, you, you know them when you see them, and I feel like a lot of them come out of the Omahas of the world. But, I mean, you got to switch back, and we got uh, our own Nick Osler over here talking about being in a beach city now. How's your new job, Nick? Yeah, so if you may have seen on social media, I uh, have now accepted a job to work at Yahoo Sports, uh, moved from ABC to Yahoo Sports over there in Playa Vista, heading back to sports on more of a full-time basis, so that's always nice. I've Definitely been enjoying it, uh, sending those alerts to your phone. So if you haven't already, download that uh, Yahoo Sports app. It's a, it's a great app to where I get my scores, my updates, and uh, you'll get some notifications from me. So uh, I would advise you guys to do that. I might have to hop on that. You know, I'm, I'm on ESPN right now. Uh, you, you used to be doing that yeah. for us there, but uh, I might have to get on that. I think I have the Yahoo Sports app, but I don't have the notifications enabled. might have to go get that for you so you can – Send yeah. me more notifications than just your <laughs> tweets. Nick, you get to put in any personal flair in your uh, alerts? Like, will I see this and be like, wow, look at that pun. This is definitely Nick. Oh, you know, we are instructed to be creative and be punny, if you will. So we add, you know, emojis. We add, uh, like, slang. So we, we have to keep it a little original there. So definitely, uh, you may notice if you follow uh, my alerts that you may notice if it's me. And as Jesse said, you know, he definitely will notice because he already gets my tweet alerts. And I haven't tweeted in a lot in a long time, but I did tweet recently. And of course, you know, I had to do the, the double take. I'm sure Jesse noticed that. I did notice that. And that was my next question for you was when I sign up for these Yahoo uh, notifications, will I be knowing that it's you because I'll be getting multiples of the same one? So the good thing about that, Jesse, is in this, since it's a job, you know, I can't really mess up. I can't do it. I can't do a take two. So I have to make sure they're good to go. So you'll probably be just getting one. And I know that's something you'll appreciate. I'll appreciate it. And, and I won't at the same time, you know, it's become sort of a, a fun thing to see. All right, this one, how many takes are we going to get on this tweet from Nick? Two or three, maybe even four if we're having a, an extra fun day. Yeah. Are you worried that that's going to happen to you and you have to resend an alert? Always worried about that. Uh, as you can tell, I'm very cautious with my, with my uh, public wording, uh, starting with Twitter. And so here I feel like I've trained myself enough. You know, I've been on Twitter for eight, about nine years now. I think, you know, I, did, I sent some alerts there at ABC as well, Sully. And so I think I'm ready to kind of step into this new role as a, as a one-take guy here, a one-take uh, alert guy. So mm-hmm. hopefully that works out. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's ABC7 is the breeding ground. You know, it creates successful individuals out there in the field, so... We appreciate that. I saw also just a, another quick question. You guys are promoting big time a uh, college football fantasy league. That is correct. Uh, the inaugural college fantasy football only at Yahoo Sports. Another reason to download the app. We have a fantasy app. We have the regular sports app. Um, lots of good content. And if you want to, as they say, play with the stars on Saturday like you do on Sunday, you can go and download uh, the Yahoo Sports fantasy college football and make that team. Um. And 
Do you pick players on that team? Yes, uh, I, I believe there are 65 schools that you can pick players from. And uh, it's similar to you know regular fantasy football. You just make your team. You draft your players. Uh, I think you. I think it's uh, every week you draft a new team. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, I'm gonna look into that. I haven't. I have my fantasy NFL draft coming up. I know you guys do as well tonight. I believe. Last, um, last question about that though. Do you plan on paying the players at all for this? You know, if I, if it was up to me, I would pay the players because, as you know, I think they. As we all know, they deserve the money. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the players themselves react to the fantasy aspect of their of their game now. Um, if they if they know that they're trying to you know be on a fantasy football team, they might play differently. I don't know. I don't think it really affects the NFL guys. But I know the NFL guys hear about it from fans a lot, and it kind of bothers them. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it's a it's a new a new wave of fantasy sports, and also probably a pathway to maybe getting them paid uh, sooner rather than later. Hmm. All right. I just wanted to ask. You know, it seems interesting using these players' uh, likelihood or likeness. And again, they're not getting paid. Obviously, you have no control over that. But it's just interesting. I guess it is kind of cool that they're doing some fancy stuff for it. Though, well, so. Sully, uh, I know you're going to be covering some Kansas State football here coming up soon. You already have a little bit already. Maybe you can ask them that question because uh, I believe Kansas State is one of the teams you can pick fancy players from. So you can ask them uh, on on the, on the newscast how they feel about. Um, being involved in fantasy sports and not yet getting paid for it. Yeah, I'm sure most of them are pretty unhappy, but I'll ask either way. So we'll see about that. And uh, yeah, it, it should be good. But congrats again on the job, man. Looking forward to seeing all your great alerts and tweets and all that. Thank you very much. And we also would like to thank our wonderful sponsor, Lucky Boy Pasadena, um, who has been rocking with us for a long time now, and we really enjoy the relationship. Lucky Boy, you know where it is. It's on Arroyo uh, Parkway there in Pasadena, and they have all the goods. Jesse, why don't you tell the folks about it? Well, you already know about the breakfast burrito. That's the classic. Um, you know, they have everything, though, from the garden burger to a shrimp plate uh, to a breakfast sandwich. Um, they got really anything that you could ever want. And if your eyes are bigger than your stomach like mine is, and I have a big stomach, but I want to eat everything. I might as well just order up to $350 worth of food in one sitting, and that's over that threshold that I could get that catered. Because if you got $300 or more, they will cater to you, as Beyonce once said. You know, Jesse, I like to think that if you ever become a very, very wealthy individual, that you'll just have Lucky Boy catered in your backyard at least once a week. Not for a party or anything, but just your own personal enjoyment. It's truly a great image right there. And if you want to learn more maybe about catering or just what's on the menu or any question that pops into your mind, you can always text or call 626-437-3167. But the easiest way to see it is on social media. Check out them out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere you can imagine. They've got the pages set up, and you can see it in all its glory. And if you find out more about the people behind the scenes of Lucky Boy, you can check out episode 62 with Christina Caragias, the lucky girl, from our podcast. All the introductions. We've had all the pomp and circumstance. We've had all the fuss and feathers. But it's time. It's time for Dodger Baseball. And as the baseball season approaches its final month, we have a pennant race, boys. This is something we did not have last year as the Dodgers had one of those big leads there. But now the Dodgers are chasing, clawing, fighting for a playoff spot. 
it looked it looked a little rough there for a while. We hadn't been on the podcast to talk about it for about two weeks there, but they fell four and a half games back. However, they have made up some ground here. It's always good to play the Padres if you need to make up some ground, and that's what they did. They swept the Padres, uh, beat the Rangers, and they're now only one game out with a big series against the Diamondbacks looming. Yeah, you know, it's always good to see our friends down south there in San Diego. Shout out my boy Sam Nair. Uh, lifelong Padres fan. I'm sorry for you there, bud. But uh, it's always nice to beat up on the Padres and get back in there. Yeah, there is the, the panic for sure. Now it's one game, I believe. So um, you always got to have confidence, and you have these big games coming in. If we sweep the Diamondbacks, which I'm not saying we 100% will, but it'd be nice to, obviously, then it's a not more comfortable even lead in the division. Uh, they're playing tough teams. We're not playing tough teams, and then we get to play them. So it's gonna. I think it's going to shape up to be a good end of the season for the Dodgers. Yeah, you know, they still got this game to take care of today against Texas. Uh, Alex won the mound, which is big. You want to make sure you win that. And then going forward from there, Diamondback series is huge, obviously. You know, it's going to kind of make or break the rest of the way. They can go down as many as, you know, three or four games, depending on how things go. But they can also get up two games in the division if they were to sweep or whatever, as long as the Rockies don't win at the same pace that they do. Um, They haven't necessarily played their best baseball against the uh, Diamondbacks the last two seasons. Um, not that I, don't, I think that, you know, except for the playoffs, obviously a couple of years ago, but, um, they really need to kind of make a statement now. And obviously it's going to come straight from the bullpen because that's the thing that's been killing them this last month. Um, you know, I think it's kind of disheartening to know that obviously it's great that we've got Dozier and Machado at the deadline, but Axelrod isn't anything near what they needed to pick up. And it doesn't look like they're going to make a move unless they can cut some kind of waiver deal the next couple of days. But, um, I don't know. It sucks that they didn't want to spend on a reliever. When you look at all the other relievers in the market that have been traded for recently, most of them have been pretty successful. And uh, I just think if you know what the biggest issue is with the team, why don't you just go out and address it right off the top? Yeah, well, the one reliever they did spend money on two years ago was Kenley Jansen, who had the heart scare, comes back, and really doesn't look like himself, still hasn't really. You know, He's given up, I believe, four home runs this in this week when he had only given up four in the entire season before that. Um, two losses in tie games, one blown save, and then they put him in, in a non-save situation, six-run lead, and he still gives up two runs last night. Uh, he said the heart medication kind of sucked the adrenaline out of him and kind of made him not feel like himself. So he went off that, but he's still struggling. And there are a lot of reasons I'm seeing on Twitter for why this might be. But Sully, since you are the relief pitcher, I was wondering if you notice anything different about Kenley here and what he might need to do to fix the problems he's having. Yeah, you know, a couple things. I think the, the biggest thing is just it's like a mental thing for him. You know, you can talk about I, I read this article from The Athletic talking about his uh, change in his windup over the last year, which I don't think is totally accurate. Um, you know, there may be some tweaks he needs to make, but either way, it, you can just see it last night in that game against Texas when he loaded the bases and ended up letting in a couple of runs. He was just rushing through everything, and he didn't have that same pace that he normally has. It's just kind of cool, calm, collected. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, just kind of get on track. And one good thing about relief pitching, just like any other, almost any other aspect of baseball, it can just take one outing to turn that all around, you know? So he just it would have been nice to him kind of build some confidence last night. Another chance today, if he has the opportunity to go out there and close the game down. Um, and let's just hope that things get turned around because as we saw when he was out, uh, there was no real help behind him in the pen. It seemed like, and I know they're talking about bringing old Might is already back there and stripling when he's healthy. will probably join as well, but 
I don't know that that's enough. You know, I, I just don't think that they have the arms right now, or at least they're not pitching up to the level that they need to be to win a World Series. And I think that's the overall goal. I still think that they're going to make the playoffs. You know, they probably will have to win the division, although they're only probably one or two out in the wild card right now. I've been checked in the last day or so. Um, but it's tough. You know, it's tough to see the, the one rock of that bullpen that everyone kind of relies on go through this. But it's better to do this now than in, you know, the end of September or in October. And if you're looking at it also, I mean, you saw Kenley struggle in the beginning of the season and then kind of shook it off and was able to become closer to what his old self used to be maybe in last year, a year before. Um, this may be one of those things where it's obviously he's kind of shaking off rust from being on the DL. Um, uh, and so it's one of those things where you have hope to say, like, he's shaken it off before and he can do it again. Yeah, I believe in Kenley. I believe in the Dodgers. Uh, there was that panic, you know, last week when they were – swept by the Cardinals and kind of looking pretty listless there. But as I told my friends, and I'm going to tell you guys now, when those divisions ga- division games come around, starting with this big four-game series against the Diamondbacks, I think the Dodgers will be ready. I think the, they'll rise to the moment because they have they definitely have the talent to do it. It's just kind of like, do they, do they want to play their brand of baseball? And I think the Diamondbacks, a team they haven't seen since, I think, April, and a team that they know they have to beat, a team they don't really like, a team with history who they played in the playoffs last year, I think they will come out and you know, do well. Kershaw is going to be on the hill. Hill is also going to be on the hill. D Mountain is going to be on the hill. And D Mountain, wow, that that was one of the best players weekend nicknames I've seen probably ever. And I know Jesse probably really appreciates it. I thought it was hilarious. Um, and then surprisingly, uh, there was a family party on uh, the day he was pitching, or the day after. Sorry. Um, and we were all watching the Dodger game together, and they were doing an interview with Rich Hill, and they were talking about it. And my whole family loved it as well. Which, uh, which was fun. It was fun to see. But, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers do always come through with some great uh, players' weekend nicknames. I wish they would have let Kike change his because he came out and said if uh, he was able to change it in the middle of the year, um, he would have changed it to Chase's My Daddy. Um, so that would have been fun to see as well. But Dodgers always coming through with great players' players' weekend nicknames, and that's no different with D-Mountain. Yeah, there's some, some really good ones throughout the entire league. Um, you know, just – it's a great weekend, I feel like. A couple of my favorite moments out here in Kansas City, Danny Duffy, his nickname was the Chill Sergeant, which mm. I thought was really funny. Um, and then you had Carlos Gomez down in Tampa Bay. Uh, you get to wear a patch where you thank people um, for whatever they've done, and on his patch he put himself. That's good. Which was real good. And then obviously the Dodgers, the D-Mountain, uh, you know, that's that's just hard to beat right there. Uh, it, it's it's one of my favorite weekends of the year. Obviously it's only two seasons old now, but it still is something now I can look forward to pretty much every season going forward uh, with the crazy cleats, the crazy bats. Um, some jerseys are not as good as others, just the actual jerseys themselves, not the nicknames. Like they played the Padres that weekend and those are just atrocious jerseys. I don't I have no idea what the thought process was there with the, the gray and then the highlight yellow, but um, overall, uh, another smashing success. I will say this. Uh, I, I agree with you with, about the Padres jerseys. I think they were horrendous. But I did like the hats that they were wearing. But a different question uh, here for our, our jersey hater in general, Nick, traditionalist Nick. Uh, I think we know the answer to this. But how do you feel about the Dodgers specifically, their jerseys, for so, Players Weekend? Yeah, I understand it's Players Weekend. So I'm, I'm going to give them a little slack here and what they can do. To be honest, though, I really enjoy the color scheme, the the blue with the turquoise. 
I've always liked turquoise. That's why I always liked the Marlins when I was little when they had that turquoise like alternate. And so if the Dodgers can mix that in, it's better than mixing in red because you know they have the red on the number and sometimes they mix in red like on their cleats or whatever. Get any red out of Dodger Stadium and unless it's on the number, that's it. So I, I don't mind the blue. It's a different shade of blue, but I think it's fine. I I was uh, I saw it up close and personal on Saturday. I went to that game, and I can agree with you, Sully, that those Padres jerseys were just absolutely terrible. It was kind of one of the first things I noticed when I walked in, just the bright yellow jersey. Um, they even shone through uh, the blackout that happened at that game uh, when the lights went off because they were so bright. But, uh, yeah, to answer your question, Jesse, I really enjoy the Dodgers jerseys, and I hope they do more Players Weekends except more than just one weekend every year. The Dodgers jerseys for player, Players Weekend are terrible. Well, they're terrible. Well, I guess we'll just never that, agree on that, jerseys. That turquoise, how, how is this the stand? The first time that you like an alternate, it's this one. This is they're, they're not good. Like, I love the names. Do it on the regular jersey. It'll look way better. The, the no red is a, a, another terrible take. The red yeah. number is beautiful. It's perfect in a Dodgers jersey. The number, yes. That's what I'm saying. But you said don't put. You said don't have red anywhere in Dodger Stadium. The the red number with the and then the the lines coming from the ball. Like the the red is great in the Dodgers Uni. The this players weekend the turquoise in it is horrendous. Um, if you have you even have the the batting practice uh, and the spring training hat with the D, but you put that in turquoise. Just leave that white. The what wall are we doing the Dodger Stadium wall is turquoise. It matches the wall. It's a good color combo. They're not even the same turquoise. An awful take, Nick. That's a, a real bad take just to compare it to the wall there that you're really reaching at this point. Uh, I agree with you, Just. They're not my favorite jerseys. I would rather seem to just wear an all-blue alternate, something I think they should be doing either way. I agree. I agree. But the red, I don't know. understand your point there, especially when your boy Matt Kemp was a notorious guy to wear some red in his cleats pretty much all the time. He hasn't done it as much this year, but if you go back and look at the game film from his first time with the Dodgers, he did it a lot, so... Uh, you got to pick and choose your battles here, I believe, and, and that's just not a, a one worth fighting. I was so excited for Nick to actually be right about a bad jersey take, and then he just fumbled that one at the goal line. Okay. What? You expect anything less? Well, let me just ask you this, Jesse. Uh, if you had to redesign the Players Weekend jersey, how, what color scheme would you put in? Because you have to put in a different color scheme than just the blue they have normally. So what would you do? Why? Why do I have to? Well, isn't that what the Players Weekend jersey is? It's like you add a sec- secondary color into your... I'm saying you could put, you could do like Sully suggested. You just do that blue, like batting practice alternate jersey. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would be a good gateway into making the blue alternate more of a normal thing for Dodger Stadium and Dodger games. Because I agree with you, Sully. They should have kind of like a a blue alternate night, either like starting it off on on a weekend night or just something to get that into the repertoire. But okay, either way, I guess you guys will never agree with my jersey takes. That's fine. I'm happy to stand on my own hill over here. Uh, and that's that. And, you know, one more thing about the Dodgers, uh, something good that hasn't really been talked about, but I noticed when September rolls around in a week, or no, September's coming up in less than a week, and that's when the rosters expand, and that's, I believe, when Julio Urias is going to join the team, and he could help, help the bullpen there for sure, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, he definitely will be coming back. He's in uh, Rancho Cucamonga right now, and they're kind of just buying time until he gets back. Um, I think it'll definitely help. You know, I think this is kind of the plan the Dodgers have had in mind is that they're going to get him back. They're going to move Stripling back there. They're going to have Maeda. He's already back there. Um, and that's going to somehow fix the pen. But I also think this is something that I've talked about for the last two seasons. So it kind of sucks that they are like, I don't know, now just going to it because of an injury. 
Uh, it, it, it doesn't make, it, I mean, it makes sense. It's just hope it works out. You know, he doesn't have a ton of experience besides last playoffs and he was decent there. Um, but either way, the September roster expansion is the weirdest rule in sports, but it definitely is going to help the Dodgers this season more than it does a lot of other teams. And to close off baseball, a uh, nice little story up in the Pacific Northwest where Edwin Diaz, uh, the closer for the Mariners, achieved 50 saves, winning a bet against his coach. Uh, and in that bet, the deal was that if Diaz got to 50 saves, his coach would have to get the same haircut, the zigzag shaved in the side of the head that Diaz has. And I know Jesse appreciates that. I know Sully appreciates that. A closer, a haircut. What do you guys think about this? I'm looking at the picture right now, and, you know, I, I was assuming, you know, okay, a manager is going to have to get the same haircut as a player. I assumed it was going to be, you know, something like that shaved into the side. And I wasn't expecting a manager to be able to pull that off. But as I look at him, he looks pretty swagged out. I'm not going to lie. He's kind of killing it. Um, whoever did the hair did a really good job. I think it's a look that he should probably just keep going with in the future if we're going to keep it a buck here. Yeah, it's it's fire. It's fresh. You know, he's got that fresh fade in the back. Uh, he he doesn't really have the hair in the front to be lined up. Otherwise, I assume he would, and the design is is just on point as well. Edwin D is having a great year uh, for the Mariners, but more importantly on my fantasy team, which is the biggest deal. And more, um, impo- more importantly, the Max Muncy home run off of Diaz, which was awesome, even though the Dodgers ended up losing that game on the Bokoff. That was a, I, I really enjoyed that game just because they came back against the Mariners' bullpen, which is a good bullpen against Diaz. He hadn't blown a save in like two months when that happened. So anyway, I just wanted to get throw that in there. They lost, so it doesn't really matter, but I, I get what you're saying. What I want to know, Nick, what do we have to do to get you a haircut like this? Well, come on, guys. You know, I just started a new kind of hairstyle this year, so I guess I am getting more adventurous, but, you know, let's take this. Let's take Your adventure was growing out farther on top. This has nothing to do with the top. You can keep Facts. the top. You just want to put a design and get that low fade in the back like he does. Yeah, I don't know. It's if if the Dodgers win the World Series, will you cut your hair like this? If the put it down right now, if the Dodgers win the World Series, you cut your hair like this. Like this. If the Dodgers win the World Series, I get a zigzag shaved inside of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Same haircut they got. You get the Edwin Diaz. Oh man. Um, Put it down, Nick, for the people. Come on now. You won't. I'm trying to think if I if I do this. If Nick, God, can you can you guys do it with me or something? I, I mean, no, that's not what the question was. Don't put this on us. It wasn't like you. a hey, we'll do it too. That's no fun. Oh man! All right, here we go. If the Dodgers win the World Series, I will shave a zigzag into the side of my head. You heard it here first. There we August go. August 29th. There it is. There we go. I love it. I love it when you do that. That's going to be great. I, I really. It's not like I didn't want. Uh, you know, it to happen before. Obviously, I always want the Dodgers to win the World Series, but this is just extra incentive. Uh, and I'm glad. I Hopefully, we can get this into the Dodgers' hand because I think it would power them to victory for sure. Yeah. You know, that, that might be a little bit of peer pressure, but I'm ready to do it. I, uh, you know, it's put on the spot on the podcast, and I wouldn't expect anything less from you guys to do that to me. So I, I can't say I don't appreciate it. I'm ready to do it. I'm supporting the Dodgers, which I love. So let's see what happens. Game time. Well, it's about to be September here, and and you know what that means. That means football. But before we get NFL football, we get college football. And uh, you know who's talking. You know what I'm going to talk about. Thankfully, you know, a couple years ago, uh, Clay made the mistake 
Uh, and it was a mistake. We didn't know it was a mistake at the time of going with Max Brown as starter. Um, then eventually we go Sam Darnold. Uh, you know the old saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. This year, he's picked one. It's JT Daniels, true freshman, 18 years old, won't be 19 until after the season ends. He is a, a young guy, graduated high school in three years, so he get out here, play for the Trojans, and we're excited to have him. The dude is a stud. Finally named starter, got picked over Matt Fink, who got some time in last year. Looked good, but JT is really, really impressed, um, and he's... God, he's really, he's gonna show up this year. He's gonna be the stud. Um, USC ranked at 15, uh, which is about 17 spots too low, if you ask me. Um, but we're ready to prove all the haters wrong. Yeah, I think uh, it's an interesting choice in the fact that you know having a, a kid who should be a senior in high school lead your you know team that is essentially like a professional team in Los Angeles. So the type of hype that they get and the type of coverage that they get. I don't know that there's any way to prepare for that, but this is a kid that certainly picked his destiny from an early age, making sure he got out of high school like that. Um, to me, the issue is like, you know, he's going to have those struggles being a first year guy and in college football, you don't really have room for error like that. If you're trying to get to the playoffs. Um, but I think in the long term for USC, this is the absolute right move and will benefit them next season and the season after before he probably leaves for the draft. And it also is crazy to think that this dude will probably be uh, barely 21 and going into the NFL. Yeah, it's very interesting just because how young he is. Jesse, I didn't know that he uh, skipped a year of high school to kind of fast track this to USC. So when I hear that, it tells me that this kid is focused, determined. He has like a good head on his shoulders. He knows what he's doing. So in that sense, I feel he will be able to handle the pressure of what USC is relatively well compared to other 18-year-olds. However, I don't really know his personality, but just on the surface, that's what I think. We'll see what happens. Um, he, I believe he came from uh, Modern Day, right? Yeah. Modern Day. So they, they've obviously had a good program for years, most notably in basketball, but they've had some good football teams. And um, he's a local guy, so he knows what USC means. He knows the coverage they get. So all those things combined, I think his age, while it may be looked at as a limiting factor, I think he will be ready to go. And he's been around the team. So he's been around the team since January. He, he hasn't... You know, he hasn't practiced until March, I believe, is when he first started practicing in spring. But uh, he, he was at practice every day in January. He knows the system already. Um, and he's proven it. I mean, Clay wouldn't have picked him as a starter if he wasn't ready. Um, because you got guys like Matt Fink who <clears throat> have been in our system for even longer. Um, and so to see that he's won that job, and I think it was something that a lot of people were really expecting. I think two or three months ago, I probably said for the first time, I think it's going to be JT. Um, because of what he's shown in practice and how everybody's talked about him. And he's been the guy in scrimmages coming out of camp that everybody's saying has been the guy that's been better. Not that the other two guys have been bad. And it's nice to have a Fink and Jack Sears um, backing him up in case he goes down or something happens. But he's ready. He's ready for the job. And, uh, you know, you get a UNLV, so it should be a nice, easy win in week one. But then, then you get it started. You got Stanford and Texas. So we're going to see what this kid's made of pretty immediately, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, and I think that's something I want to get at, too. You know, obviously that week one should be a win, and it should be a nice little, not even a test, but a kind of a warm-up game. And I think at this point in college football, most of those big-time recruits are out and into their you know NCAA camps by March or April, whenever it may be. So that's not too out of the ordinary, but 
to go on the road at Stanford and on the road at Texas, I mean, those are just two huge games. And, and you know, as good as Texas is supposed to be this year, as well as just always the, the Stanford-type games, especially at their building, um, I mean, it could sink the SC season before they even get to week four. Not that I think it will, but it's, it's huge. And, it's again, this is, I think, more of a term. It, it, it's weird to me because Clay Helton, I think, it, this is kind of a pick where it feels like he's got a lot of job security. And I don't think that's 100% true. I still don't really buy into the fact that Clay Helton is a big-time uh, Division One coach and one that is going to lead SC back to the prominence that they get. You know, there hasn't been one thing that he's really shifted in the program that other coaches do. You know, it's like he isn't a guy that has flipped recruiting more because USC is always going to get recruiting. They're always going to have those dudes that want to come and play. I haven't seen him elevate the program yet. And maybe this is the guy to do it, but it's also a pretty big risk. I will say that I, I, I see what you're saying in a sense where it se- that seems like a pick where he, he thinks he has job security, but I honestly look at it in the opposite way where this is a repeat of what I mentioned before with Sam Darnold and Max Brown. You had the guy, Max Brown, who was supposed to be up next. Um, and, then now, and so he went with Max Brown instead of Sam Darlin, that turned out to be a mistake. I think this is him saying, I'm not going to make that mistake again, and I'm not going to go into a year, and they've done it in the past where they've gone into years not even really picking a quarterback, and you go through the first two, three games where you have got, you have two or three quarterbacks that they're going half by half against, and he said, I'm not going to do that, and this is him kind of putting his foot down and saying, that's not it, and he's taking a stand more than just saying, this is a safe pick or this is even a ballsy pick to do this because of job security. I don't think he ever thinks his job is safe. He's seen what's happened with Lane, with Sark, you know, and these guys that have just been fired on the spot. I don't think his job is safe. I do think he's a very good recruiter, Um, always wins California. And that's what we set out to do every year. Um, But then going on to those first three games again, or those two after UNLV, we have Stanford and Texas both on the road. I think that's a situation where T. Martin, our offensive coordinator, is going to really lean on his playmakers around JT more than saying, JT, go win us the game. It's going to be, all right, we're going to hand the ball and let Stephen Carr do his thing because he's a beast at running back. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown. I'm telling you right now, he's going to be an absolute stud. Um, you're going to hear that name all year. Um, you got Tyler Vons, who's proven – He's a stud on the outside as well. This is one of those teams where there's a lot of weapons across uh, the team and not just a quarterback where it's going to be, we're going to lean on those guys first and especially in those two games um, and then let JT kind of get into it and have him go out and win games in the end of the year, the Notre Dame game, the UCLA game, those kind of things. Yeah. I mean, I, I just still think for USC, it's always to win a national championship. Is a goal, and uh, I mean, you can't, I just don't feel – I wouldn't feel as comfortable just being like – I mean, I understand in the long term, as I said, but, like, this season is going to be real tough, I feel like. It's going to be really hard for them to get in that college playoff. It's hard to imagine they're going to start the season 3-0 you know, going on the road. I think they could definitely win one of those games. I think Stanford, they will win. But if Texas is as good as they're supposed to be, just where they're at as far as the recruiting process goes and the development within Herman's system, it's just different having their first year – and a true freshman too, you know, those Darnold years and everything, they've got to redshirt for a season um, or they got to at least sit for part of a year. Um, so to get it right off the bat, it'll be fun to watch either way though. And I think you'll find out quick 
uh, just how good he is. I think he definitely is a really good quarterback and, and will be good for years to come. Yeah, it'll be definitely fun to watch along with a lot of other games as, you know, football, college football is here. It's the weekend is here. We had a few games this week, you know, the, the UMass or the, what, what was the other one he Hawaii said? Hawaii. Played. So the season has officially started, but obviously it doesn't really get going until the big games happen this weekend. We have Washington and Auburn, Michigan, Notre Dame, and then even friend of the pod, uh, Justin Postuma at Austin P taking on Georgia, which will be a very interesting challenge for them. And uh, one that we have not listed here, but uh, another friend has not been on the pod, but Connor Dubin and Utah State going out to Michigan State. So we have some uh, interesting games coming up here. Which, which ones are you guys looking forward to most here? I'm really excited for Washington-Auburn personally because that's going to be a, a tough game for both teams. And it's something that you know it, it can help USC. And I'm, of course, I'm going to look at it that way. But it can help USA, USC either way. Um, if Washington loses to Auburn, um, that just gets us, you know, another game in the standings. But if they beat Auburn, it just shows, all right, well, the Pac-12 is real, and then that ends up being uh, an argument for the Pac-12 to get into the playoff if that's what it comes down to at the end of the year. Um, and I'm really curious to see what Georgia is after losing uh, Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. So to see how they replace those playmakers. And uh, uh, Terry Goblin's out there, at wide receiver. So seeing how they replace those playmakers is going to be fun to see. Yeah, it, I mean, this is an interesting game for sure, just because I think so many, so many people are so high on Washington this season. I think that's out of the back 12, probably the team I've seen selected most to go to the final, you know, four or whatever you want to call it, the college playoffs right now. Um, but I, again, it just, I never have faith in Washington's team. I don't know what it is, but they just never, ever strike me as a team that can go out and compete against those SEC teams. I just don't think they have the bodies. Obviously, they have the quarterback, that's not really the issue. Maybe go to the next le- level, but it, it's just uh, like it, like you said. Just if Auburn, they're lucky that that Auburn has to replace so much because any other way, them at home against Washington, I think would not be as close as people are making it out to be. But I think it will be a real fun match. And the other game I really like is is Michigan Notre Dame, just because it's a rivalry game that got discontinued, which is just terrible on behalf of Notre Dame's part. But they do a lot of things terribly, so it's hard to imagine that we won't even get into the uniforms they'll be wearing against Syracuse in the stadium because those are atrocious. Those are the most disgusting things I've seen in a long time. Yeah, uh, the Yankee Stadium uniforms are all bad. But that game will be fun because it's one that they know is, is fleeting in the sense that they don't know how many times they're going to get to play it again. And it's been such a rival, you know, history, uh, history-filled rivalry. Um, it's, it sucks that it's ending, but these games will be certainly a lot of fun uh, until it's over. So... That'll be a good one. And also, just it's fun to see Jonah sweat from week one of the season, for sure. Love to see Jonah worried. I want to take a quick back to uh, the Washington game. I agree with you. I think that Washington, and this is just going to sound like more of a hater pick from me than, than you, um, but uh, Washington never scares me. I don't think that – I mean, Browning is good when he has weapons. Like, he had John Ross, and, and he looked good that year, but then he didn't have weapons last year, and they didn't look great. Uh, they weren't anything special. Um, and so you got to see, are they going to have those same weapons on the outside for Browning to get it to? Because if he doesn't, he's not a quarterback to me that can make weapons. He's a quarterback that does well with weapons, and, and there's a big difference in that. So I, I agree. I think I mean, I mean think Auburn wins the game, but Washington doesn't really scare me. They're going to you know, probably finish with two losses and, uh, be a, and be in the Pac-12 championship and then lose to USC. That's just my prediction there. Yeah, and, and like Washington, like you know, perfect example. Like they had this kid who was a five-star recruit from Nevada, 
um, Ali Kaho, I believe his name is, or, and he just like, he went up there for a month and then he left and now he's at Alabama. Um, I, they just don't, I don't like, I don't understand why anyone would want to go up there. I understand how they really can bring that much talent up there. You know, it's one thing to go to Oregon where they have the Nike stuff and they have that whole kind of facility and all that. But if you're someone that wants to play in the Pac-12 and you're as good as, as, as you can be and you can go to any school and you're not going to SC or UCLA or Stanford, I don't really understand what you're doing. And, and uh, they're not even the, the team to go to. I mean, I, I, they're the they're better, the better team in Washington. I get it. But, like, if you're going for an experience, the fan base at Wazoo is better. Uh, the, the stadium environment at Wazoo is better. So, like – I don't know, and and they were good last year. I don't think they're. I think they're more of a down year than last year, this year. But and their coach is fun. Like it's, it, I would pick Wazoo personally if I'm a recruit. But I mean, that's just me, I guess. Exactly. I don't know. It's weird. Like you said, I, I'm right there with you. Like Washington is like that real tall guy you played in high school basketball, and then you just had one dude check him, and he just you were like, oh, this guy is just human, and it's like doesn't scare you anymore. There doesn't ever seem like the team has too much fight or anything that sets them apart from any other team in the Pac-12 so are we are we safe in calling Washington the Sean Bradley of college football oh absolutely I think you know that's a a very good comparison maybe I can't think of a better one so let's go with that um and I think also just going back to the other games uh as our food French and the two other uh friends of the pod uh you called them interesting matchups Nick and that was being very generous because I think Georgia is is pretty much going to wipe Austin P. And Michigan State should do the same to Utah State. Well, it'll be fun experience for the players. How about this question? The question, though, is who is more likely of Austin P or Utah State to pull off the very unlikely upset? Uh, Utah State. I think Georgia's just way too good. It's not even an Austin P thing. Um, but I, I think Utah State is actually a pretty good program. Um, you know, obviously, they have had six success in the Mountain West there. Um, they've put together some good teams in Michigan State. Um, they usually are a very good team, but they don't strike me as one that's one of those top-end Michigan State's teams that we've had in the past couple of years. So I think that would be the more likely upset. Georgia's coming off a national championship game. they got the same quarterback. they got pretty much that same defense. They are, uh, they're going to handle business, and that's saying it lightly. Well, uh, while I do agree, Georgia did lose uh, Roquan Smith, who was the heart of that defense. And then, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb, they're two running backs. But, I mean, they're – they're a beast team. I think they end up winning the SEC, to be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, they're, they, they've got so much coming in with recruiting now that they're almost on par with Alabama as far as the turnover. Obviously, Alabama improved otherwise last year, but they, they're that same type of program. They're incredible in recruiting recently. They've been doing better than they used to even. Um, and, you know, they've been top three, top five the last five or so years. Uh, Georgia's been doing a great job recruiting. But, um, yeah, I agree. Utah State – more likely, and Michigan State has been known to kind of falter in the beginning of seasons before. So, um, wouldn't I would? I mean, I'd be surprised, but it'd be a nice surprise to see our boy Dubin get it done <laughs> and beat Michigan State. And although college football will start this Saturday, I think for many people, the NFL obviously is the big time show. There, both are very very fun, but NFL. Um, if you can look all away from all the awful things that happen outside of the field, the game is pretty fun itself. And people are getting paid right now, guys. People are getting paid. Started with the OBJ just a few days ago, getting that $90 million plus deal. And then just today, Aaron Rodgers signed the biggest contract for quarterback in NFL history with his extension for over $130 million. 
Um, for you guys, what do you think is the better deal? I, I think I have a pretty clear answer, and it just kind of goes down to football uh, thought process in general. But I'm interested to hear you guys' thoughts. I think the I mean the better deal. It, obviously, it's it's more money. Like Rogers got more money, but the, the Packers are terrible without him. Like you you that's the guy you have to lock up. So uh, you know yeah you're paying more money, but. You, again, I think it's a better deal because you have your guy. You have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You can't let that go. So to me, that's that's Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, again, it's $100 million guaranteed, um, which is wild to see. But uh, he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, quarterbacks are probably one of the most important positions, not just in football, but in all sports. So I think if you have a good quarterback, a Hall of Fame level quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you have to pay the man. And that's why you see so many quarterbacks getting paid. It's it's because football teams, for the most part, you know, live and die by their quarterback. And so I think he deserves this for sure. And you said it, Jesse. I mean, they're terrible without him. OBJ, yeah, he's an incredible talent. He probably also deserves that money. Um, I actually read something today how he doesn't really – I'm sure he loves getting the money, but now he says he's such a public figure and everyone knows him so well now in New York that he, people, like, come up to him and tell him to, to do the dance. And, like, he called himself, like, a, a clown monkey, which he called himself that. And so I don't know if he really feels like he – wants this fame and wants this money um when he's out in public i'm sure it helps him and his family but what do you guys think about that statement by obj uh, oh, i mean i i mean that i i don't take that seriously he's like i mean of course he said it so you want to take it seriously whatever he said but i don't know you, you sign up for this right and it's not even like that he's just been like a quiet guy his whole career where he just does this, does that, goes about his business. And that's part of the reason why he's getting this money is because he's not a quiet guy, because he's the guy that has a little personality, he's marketable. Um, so to come out and say that, I, I get it. You don't want to be the guy that's on command like, oh, or like someone, in, an, an actor, right? And you have like one phrase. You don't want to be that guy where you get stopped on the street. Oh, say the thing, say the thing. Like you don't want to be that, obviously. And that's the thing with fans. But you, you signed up for this, you know? You're a public figure. You have to be able to take these kind of things. I didn't hear he said that at all, honestly. Um, but I don't know. That's kind of a, a surprise to hear him specifically say that too because he is such a personality. Um, him getting paid too, the other part of that is he gets hurt a decent amount. He's an incredible talent when he's healthy, but he gets hurt a decent amount. So if that goes down and you have, what, uh, 65 mil guaranteed, that's, that's a tough hit for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, it's first off, just going to those comments. If you kind of, if you want to be a pro athlete and you want to market yourself the way he does, then you want to do all, all the ad campaigns, um, which isn't a bad thing. It's that you kind of got to, it comes with the territory to a certain degree. You know, you don't hear about a lot of other players who have those kinds of issues. Obviously, you kind of get pestered in public a good amount, but. It just sort of comes with the territory. But when you do get a $94 million deal, a lot of those things take care of themselves because you can just kind of get to the seclusion you want and you can make things happen on a more private level um, than anyone else in the world really can. But I think you're right on in saying that as far as those two contract goes between him and Rodgers, Rodgers is obviously the heart and soul of the Packers. You saw it last year how bad they were without him. Um, and for OBJ to get paid like that after coming off a season where he was injured the entire year is surprising in my mind um, because 
in the NFL, you just never really know. I mean, it's the same reason a running back gets paid so rarely like this. And, and for a wide receiver, you can't even get them the ball without a, a, a good quarterback. And theirs is, is only getting older and older. And, and we don't need to get into an Eli discussion, but I think at this point in his career, I wouldn't be paying wide receivers that much on that uh, on such a long-term basis because in two years your dynamic could be totally different and you can be almost starting over as a franchise with a new quarterback or a young quarterback or having to draft a guy you think is the future so it didn't really make a lot of sense to me I mean from a fan standpoint and a marketing standpoint that's the only way you can look at it and, and be like okay that uh, makes sense to lock them up and keep them around and keep them in a city like New York but as far as uh, making your football team that much better um, in the long run, I don't think it does that. Yeah, well, as we said with the Aaron Rodgers contract, he is going to be probably their quarterback for the rest of his career. They just traded the backup Brett Hundley, a UCLA guy, away, and they do have Deshaun Kaiser, so they have the backups. But um, another trade is that the Jets traded away uh, Teddy Bridgewater, um, kind of opening the door there for uh, for your boy. Yeah, I, I mean. I think everybody was kind of assuming Sam was going to win that job, uh, especially since he started the third preseason game. That was the teller right there. It said Sam's got it. And so trading Teddy, Teddy, you could see it in those preseason games. He did not want to be there. Um, interesting that he goes to the Saints, um, where Drew Brees has that locked up. Uh, I think he wants to go play. So I'm curious to see what uh, the role is for Teddy Bridgewater, or what, what happens there. Uh, going forward, I don't think the Saints are going to be the ending spot for him. Maybe the Saints are looking and saying maybe we can uh, turn him to someone as well. But um, interesting trade, uh, Sam Darnold. He's he's the guy. Like he's shown that he can uh, perform immediately before. So uh, you, you hope he can do the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I ahead. think that's, that's just the, the Jets are in a spot like where they're making a smarter move with their younger players. Like. Yeah, nothing to lose putting them out there. Might as well get them out there and get it going. Uh, my heart obviously uh, feels for Teddy because it, you know ever since he's gone down, he just he was supposed to be the franchise guy for the Vikings, and now he is now going to be a backup behind Drew Brees, which is I mean that just shows you how much he's going to get play. But um, you never know. I think he he's still the dude that's going to be good. And, and as far as Darnold goes, um, it's going to be good for the Jets. I think he's a real good quarterback. I think he's shown in the preseason that he can go out there and he's definitely still not afraid to take those risks like he was at USC. And that's kind of something you have to, I'd rather have a quarterback that is unafraid to make the play than one that is afraid and you have to teach him the opposite. And I think that's something that he exemplifies very well. Yeah, it's definitely Darnold's team now. Teddy didn't want to be there. And apparently Kirk Cousins didn't want to be there either. Turned down 90 million from the Jets to sign with the Vikings. Um, so I guess that really just shows that not a lot of people are too high on the Jets right now. And Jesse, I know Kirk Cousins was a year-old quarterback with the Skins, and to not go to the Jets, how do you feel about that? Uh, I don't know. I, I like the Jets. I, they're not a, ter- a terrible team. I mean, obviously they didn't win many games last year, but um, if your choice is uh, what, the 80, what the Kirk got from the Vikings, or a 90 you know, a, a bad team in the yeah. Jets or yeah. the 90 from a possible Super Bowl team, you know, like yeah. I, you're you're going to take the Vikings, right? So Yeah, it shows he wants to win. Yeah, it's, I don't even understand. I mean, it, like we can discuss this, but it's just pretty obvious. Like why would you want to go to the Jets, a team that has nothing when the Vikings are literally like 
you just look at their team, all they've needed for the last five years was a quarterback that can get it done. And obviously they got real close last year. I think the Eagles were a better team. And a lot of that had to do with their quarterback play. You know, Foles and Wentz both played really well whenever they were in the game. That's a whole other situation we can get into because it doesn't look like Wentz is going to be ready for the season at this point. But um, it's it's just, I don't know why you would want to go to the Jets. And even if it was $10 million more, uh, when you live in a state like New York with the taxes they have compared to Minnesota, it's probably more in Minnesota. So I will say, though, I think the quarterback that specific position does have the luxury to turn down $10 million in a situation like this, where if, if it was a lower level player who maybe doesn't make as much money annually, usually they wouldn't uh, have that kind of luxury. So that's just something to think about. But Kirk Cousins yeah, but earned the right. Said, like if it's in New York, you're getting taxed much, much more than you would in Minnesota. So it's not necessarily more. It could be less. Yeah. In fact. Yeah. Well, any quarterback or any position. Yeah. So have you guys been watching Hard Knocks? Are you all caught up? I have not watched uh, the most recent episode. I'm going to go home and watch that today. Um, but I've been loving it. Yeah, I, I've also been loving it. I also didn't start watching until this past weekend, so I was kind of far behind. I was hearing stuff about the Browns but didn't have any context for it. And then you obviously see it as you watch Hard Knocks and what everyone's talking about. Um, I really enjoyed the season. I know we've talked a lot about this season of Hard Knocks before it started and what it was going to mean for the Browns and the perception of the franchise. And um, I mean, they seem like they're trying hard, but I don't know if they're still going to, I don't know if really the culture is going to change as much as Jarvis Landry wants it to change. Um, so far, my hero of the season is Devin Kajust. Uh He's my favorite guy so far. You're, you're 100% a Kajust guy. Uh, <laughs> my favorite guy is Broby. My guy, four-string QB, getting it done. I hope he makes the team. He probably won't, but I love Broby. That's my guy. He's getting it. He's just he's so happy. He's so carefree, living life, um, and I love it. But Baker's been balling out here too, uh, I, and I disagree with you. I think that the Browns' culture is changing, and I and I think that it starts. It started with Jarvis, and then but I think a guy like Baker Mayfield has come in and really really put everybody to work. Um, because he wants to win that job. He knows he's not going to get it, but he's acting like he's in a competition for it, which is which is nice to see. Uh, and and I, they, got a, they got five wins in them this year, I think. Yeah, I think five is a really good number. That's where I put them at, too. I haven't watched uh, any episode. I've just seen the highlights. They don't have TV out here, so I just kind of do the Netflix and I stream sports. But um, hopefully someone can give me an HBO Go password so I can get caught up. My favorite part so far, obviously Jarvis, everything I've seen on him has been great. He'll awesome. bless up and all that. Um, uh, the the offensive coordinator whose belly moves in Houston with the hikes was probably one of the best videos I've seen in my entire life. Wiley. Uh, I, I laughed at that for a long, long time. And then, yeah, like you said, Baker is just, uh, he's going to go out and compete for sure. Um, he's been doing some interesting uh, side jobs with his photography and advertisements and all that with the uh, Tiger or whatever. Um, maybe stick more to football if I were him, but if you're getting paid, you're getting paid either way, so it don't really matter. Um, I think the Browns, just as far as that culture change goes too, it definitely is happening, but I still think it starts from the coach down and having a coach that is what, like one in 31 over the last two seasons, isn't going to change everything. I don't, I don't, I really don't get that, but they have players locked in for a longer time than he does for his coaching contract. So things are certainly moving in the right direction right now. Yeah. And you mentioned the coach, they kind of, they're kind of showing a lot about Hugh Jackson here, just both on and off the field, you know, they're mixing in his off the field stuff where his mom and I think brother died in like two weeks span and they kind of show him, you know, crying in front of his coaches. And then 
They also show him kind of disrespecting his coaches in the meeting and saying, you know, I, I'm the guy who makes the decisions. Uh, when a coach offers him a suggestion, he kind of says, he kind of shuts it down and say, when you're in my seat, then you can talk, but for now, don't talk. And I thought that was kind of odd to kind of maybe alienate your coaching staff in that way when you're trying to win games and you haven't won many in the past two years. So Hugh Jackson's a very interesting character in this season for me. And um, yeah, I mean, Broby, they're kind of marketing these episodes as if he's going to get cut, which would be a bummer because I've enjoyed him as well with uh, explaining how he just slid in his girlfriend's DMs to get with her and then, you know, going up to Aaron Andrews and that kind of thing. He's so, a legend. Yeah, so I- I'm very happy with the season. I just don't know if all this hype about the Browns is going to actually translate into m- many more wins. I think the, the, the you brought up the, the whole coaching staff, and I think the reason why they end up with around five to even as much as seven, eight-ish wins this year is because of the offensive-defense coordinator. Like Todd Haley and Greg Williams, um, while not the best people, are both great coaches. They're great, great coaches. And, and Greg Williams is kind of a human garbage can, if we're going to keep it honest. Um, but he knows how to coach a defense. And Hugh Jackson doesn't have to do as much this year because he's got guys in place um, on the offensive and defensive side that know how to coach it. Um, so that was interesting to see him talk about his other coaches like that too in that meeting. I, I, I caught that as well. Yeah, I mean, like you said, just uh, Grew Williams is, is literally a human piece of trash. So, I mean, it fits in with the Browns organization there. Hopefully those players, though, are, are doing it the right way and will be, you know, getting things turned around for Cleveland because they can certainly use something with, uh, you know, the departure of LeBron. And, I mean, the Indians are real good, too. I think that's probably what the city should concentrate on more, but people just don't tend to worry about baseball as much. Yeah, um, that's that's actually how the season started, So I know you haven't watched uh, the season, but any, much of the episodes, but I don't know if you saw the highlight of them tearing down Le- the LeBron poster. It actually opens the first episode of season one to kind of talking about how the city of Cleveland needs some sort of new energy and they're hoping the Browns can provide that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I wouldn't bank on it, but five wins for them is a lot better than winning one or zero games. So that would be something to get excited about. And I would personally love to see, uh, that advertisement you were talking about. So with the, the shirtless and the tiger next to the car, that's what I want to see re- replace the LeBron mural. That'd be beautiful. <laughs> I'd be in for it. And, the lull of the NBA offseason continues, aside from a few notable news items, including the retirement of Manny Ginobili, 16 years in the NBA, um, a wonderful career, a revolutionary career, all with one team, the San Antonio Spurs. I guess he kind of looked around and saw that Kawhi was gone, Tony Parker was gone, Timmy's gone, Pop could be gone soon. Maybe, maybe it just felt like it was time. You know, He still had some stuff in the tank, but uh, I think now is a good time for him to hang it up because he did all he could. He, I believe he had four titles and uh, you know, one of the greatest players in Spurs history. So salute to Manu. I think we all can appreciate what he did for us as we were growing up watching basketball. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Euro step was him. Um, hated him for most of my life uh, then you go to appreciate him more uh, yeah I think it was time I it might have been time last season honestly but uh, I'm glad he's hanging him up on his uh, terms at the end of the day mm-hmm. yeah I think I'm right there with you Jess as far as disliking him from us just like every other spur that was mentioned before there uh, ruining parts of my childhood um, but in the end just kind of respecting what they did for the game bring the hero step over Nick is something you tweeted out. Obviously, James Harden, the MVP, does that pretty much every night, every time he touches the ball and drives the lane. So 
Um, it's I think when we were growing up, well, I don't think anyone could have imagined having an international player make such an impact on such a solely American sport. But um, him, Ginobili, sorry, Ginobili and Parker both had a profound effect. And, um, it's crazy to think that those guys now are, you know, really the guys that are representative of most of our lives are going to be hanging it up. Uh, makes you feel a little older, which I don't love. Um, but again, you know, just crazy stats about him. I think he has the highest winning percentage of any player in NBA history who's played over a thousand games, stuff like that. Obviously the titles speak for themselves. Um, so yeah, it, it was a cool, cool run there for 16 years. It's uh, unmatched by pretty much anyone else uh, in the league. You know, it's hard to find guys that play that long for one team besides maybe like a Kobe or a Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, and it was good to kind of see all the tributes to him on social media this, this past week. You know, the video of him swatting the bat out of the air, and then obviously the Charles Barkley Ginobili voice is something that we all appreciate. Um, so yeah, a good career for Manny Ginobili there. And another news in NBA is that they're lifting the sneaker restrictions uh, in terms of the colors on sneakers. For now, I think it had been you can wear a certain color sneakers only a limited amount of times or a certain game days, but now players can wear whatever they want. And it's not a uniform. It's not part of the jersey, so I don't have an issue with this. Um, I, I, but I think that you guys already are very happy about this. I love it. I think that uh, it's going to make things a lot more fun. Um, there's already sneaker watch like every day in the NBA, but now it's going to be crazy. Like colorways for certain people's sneakers are going to get even wilder, even though they're already wild. Like they, you know, the Kyrie, they can come out, or the LeBron, they'll come out with whatever colorway they want, just not wear them. Um, but now they can wear them and they can go crazier with them. So I think it's going to be really, really fun. I think it was a great move from the NBA, who is time and time again proving that they are the best league in sports. Yeah, right. I mean, I understand why every sport, every athlete can't wear whatever shoe they want. It's really an old school rule, something that's right up Nick's alley there. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it doesn't make, like, as far as cleats go for NFL players and MLB players, sneakers, obviously the best one just because no other shoe in athletics uh, is so hyped up on and off the court and obviously has such a cultural influence. Um, it's only going to be positive. I don't understand there's any way that could be negative. So, And now it's time for the fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. It's time, not just for the fast food flavor, but for a very important segment of the fast food flavor. Take it away, Swine. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about it a few episodes back, the complex list of the top 20 uh, fast food or Taco Bell items of all time um, and how trash that list was. Uh, and I decided, you know what, it's time to make a real list. So I've come up with the top 15 items in Taco Bell history. Um, in doing my research for this list, I was looking at other lists. All of them are trash. One listed the soft taco as the best ever item at Taco Bell. And, like, you can't respect a list that has that. Um, so the people need this. People need a real one, uh, and I'm here to give it to them. So here you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss this list out for you guys. If you have any questions afterwards, I'm here to field questions. So coming in at 15, nacho fries, uh, which include the Supreme and the Bel Grande um, fries. 14, classic chalupa. 13, triple air nachos. 12, Spicy Potato Soft Taco. 11, Cheesy Fiesta Potatoes. 10, the Dressed Egg Taco, which went along with the Naked Egg Taco in the, in the morning there. Um, at 9, the Beefy Frito Burrito. 8, Quesarito. 
seven cheesy core burrito, a very, very underrated item at Taco Bell, and I go to my grave with that. Six, the Doritos Locos Tacos. Five, Mexican Pizza. Four, Cinnabon Delights. Three, the Naked Chicken Chalupa. The two, the ever-elusive Cheesy Bacon Gordita Crunch. And one, the Crunchwrap Supreme. To yeah, me, there we go. That's that's phenomenal work out of you. I think the one that stood out to me is obviously having the Cinnabon Delight so high up on the list. Um, I think that's a bold move, but you know that's something we come to expect from you is, is thinking outside the box. Uh, no pun intended. There, mm, I see what you did. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I think I might. You know, I had some favorites on there. Obviously, I always get to be here. Frito burrito when I go. So that's great to see. That's just outside. All right, that is just inside the top ten. Coming and in also, the taco just outside the top ten is always phenomenal as well for me too. So I think that's a, a fantastic list. Yeah, there were some some things that I was expecting some some bounce back on. I think the cinnamon delights was one, but it's also a piece that you know when you have it, it it surprises you every time how good it is, and it's just like it's one of those that can't go uh, underappreciated in my mind because of how good it is, and it's also a subtle shot at the cinnamon twists. Um, and how trash those are as a Taco Bell item. See, that's what I was thinking because you had you have so much vitriol and hatred for the cinnamon twist that to put the cinnamon delights up there so so high was kind of surprising to me. But I guess you were kind of doing it as a shot at the cinnamon twist, so I understand it more now. Um, the quesarito at eight is something that I pr- would prefer to have been a little higher. And the only reason I say that is because there have been times in the past few years when I've actually texted you, Jesse, and when I'm going to Taco Bell and say, "What should I get?" What do I want? And you always mention the quesarito to me, and I usually get the quesarito and enjoy it very much. So for you to put it at eight, which is sort of in the middle, I was kind of surprised. I would have thought maybe at least six or five. But the quesarito is a good piece. I think when when I, when you text me, I, when people text me, and this is not you're not the only one that does this, um, and it goes to show who, who, the kind of person who, I am. Who we're talking to? Yeah, people will text me say I'm gonna go, and I'm. Is there anything new here? Boom, boom, boom. I don't think about myself. I think about the person that's going to be eating and what, what do I think they're going to want. Mm-hmm. And while I do love the quesarito, I think that um, it's just a nice piece um, and, and it's pretty versatile. You go chicken, steak, beef, uh, anything with cheese and Taco Bell is going to be successful. I put the cheesy core straight ahead of it mm-hmm. at seven because I think cheesy core is a little bit better. Um, cheesy core was that where you, it was literally just like like a cheese roll up in the middle of a burrito and it was lit. It's exactly what it sounds like a core cylinder of cheese in the middle of the burrito. And it was incredible, an incredible piece. And I kind of like that a little bit better than having it on the outside, but both are great Taco Bell items. Yeah, this is a wonderful list and we really appreciate you for compiling it, taking the time to give the people what they want, what they need. In fact, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned number two, the ever elusive, what was it? Cheesy bacon. Cheesy bacon crunch. Crunch. You said ever elusive. How often does it come around? When can we expect it next? Is it out right now? I have not seen it in 10 years. Wow. Um, and the, the cheesy bacon gordita crunch is a, it's a shout out to that, but it's also, I think the gordita crunch in general and all of its um, variations stays at number two. I just put cheesy bacon there because it's the best gordita that's ever come out. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, right now they have the double cheesy gordita crunch. Um, Going to be another limited time only. Very good. Um, so go grab that while you're at it. But yeah, the cheesy bacon gordita crunch was so good because of those bacon bits in between the two taco shells. Um, and I hope to see it come back at some point. Um, Taco Bell, if you're listening, bring it back, please, for your boy. But the cheesy bacon gordita crunch is a classic. 
Well, thank you very much for that list, Jesse. We sincerely appreciate it, and I know our listeners do too. And uh, I'm sure we'll get more lists sometime in the future. But for now, that has been the fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. And we have reached the end of the show. And you know what that means. It's time for our super hot, interesting takes and shout outs. We have a full slate of all those things for you guys today. And we'll start over in Kansas with Sully with a shout out. Yeah, man, just a quick shout out. I saw this come across the tie line just as the uh, uh, podcast was beginning, but uh, your boy Clint Dempsey is retiring from soccer. Uh, an American legend there. Uh, always someone, you know, a lot of people give Landon Donovan all the credit and call him the greatest American or whatever. Landon is, is I don't want to say he's dead to me after this last World Cup where he was <laughs> doing the ads for Mexico and all that, and also just being a spoiled brat about not making the team the year before, but Clint Dempsey would never do that. And Clint Dempsey, realistically, was the one who scored most of the goals for the U.S. team. And it's just an overall dog. So I got mad love for him. Um, Shout out Clint Dempsey. A lot of love for Clint Dempsey. I I didn't know. I'm I'm glad you told us that. I didn't even know he was retiring, obviously, as we were recording. So it's it's good to see. And I I second that shout out to Clint there for you. Mm -hmm. And Jesse, I believe you also have a shout out and a take or just a take just have a take here and it's something that i've mentioned before on this uh, podcast i believe um and maybe not i I, i'm I'm confused on if i have or not but something that i'm going to address here um it's fantasy football season you know as we talked about we didn't mean so have a draft later tonight i have another one after that um so i've been doing my research doing a lot of mock drafts doing those things and uh, Saquon Barkley is going in the first round of every single draft. And I didn't think this was a hot take, but I, I guess it is. Saquon Barkley should not be drafted until the third round at the earliest. The only reason we care about Saquon Barkley in the first round is because of one 39-yard run. When if you go back to that preseason game, go look at the rest of his carries. I think he averaged less than three yards a carry uh, on everything else. Take that run away. Why are we pumped about Saquon Barkley? Giants offensive line isn't anything special. What are we doing here? Why is he in the first round? Of, I sound like a hater because I'm a Skins fan. I get it. But the dude, yeah, he was a very good college player. And he's going to be a nice player. I'm not saying he's not going to be good. First round, he's going as like the fifth running back overall. I can like, please listen to me. I'm right. Do not draft him in the first round. Or if you do, that's fine. That just lets me know, hey, there's one less person that I can't, I don't have to worry about. At the end of the day, I've heard this in fantasy before, right? You can't win your fantasy league in the first round, but you can lose it. That's what you're going to be doing if you pick Saquon Barkley in the first round. You're losing your fantasy league. There's definitely a lot of love for Saquon Barkley in fantasy draft right now. In the football world right now, just because of you know his college career, he's apparently a very nice guy. But let's think about it here. The Giants, they have never been known to have a great offensive line. They're probably not going to be able to block him very well. Uh, you know he's in New York, so he's, his media personality is hyped up because of the market he's in. So I agree to you to an extent, Jesse, that he may be a little overhyped. Third round, though, that's kind of far down there. Maybe second round is my compromise. I think he's still going to have a good career, but let's not get carried away. He's, I think, he's better than you think. I know he's a very good running back, I, but there's also time it's going to take, especially as a running back, to get adjusted to the NFL. Like you have. Kareem Hunt was this guy I came out of nowhere last year, but he's taken at the end. Like if he's someone that you're going to find at the end, sure. Saquon, again, like he he bounced out in college. That's what he did. 
you can't bounce out with that much success in the NFL like immediately. This is going to take time for him to become the player that everybody seems to think he's going to be this year. He's not Zeke. Zeke came in against with one of the best offensive lines in football in the Cowboys. That's and a guy like Dak who had the threat to run. This is not yeah. Saquon. I'm totally with you on that, Jess. I, I just don't think that it makes any sense to take him in the first round, and I don't even know if he'll be good this season. I could maybe see a Todd Gurley type thing where he has that, you know, one bad year, one good year, and it kind of until that team gets it all figured out. Like I said, like it all kind of stems from the quarterback and the offensive line. Um, I don't understand how it's going to go that well for them. And then, you know, just from there, like you look at like you know uh, so many running backs just emerge from that late draft, like Alvin Kamara last year. Obviously, you know, the Chiefs have had multiple years where they had running backs kind of come out of nowhere and take over that job. Um, you know, it's it's just the hardest position to, like, bet on and, like, understand that you no one can understand how good anyone is going to be because there's so many other variables, just like wide receivers, that you have to depend on for them to be successful. I agree. I, I, it's just – it's bugging me. Because, A, I'm a Skins fan and I hate to see uh, a, a giant get taken this high. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to help uh, my fantasy. And if you haven't drafted yet, listen to your friends here at Consciously Optimistic. Do not take Saquon Barkley in the first round. Uh, it will not benefit you as much as you think it will. But um, we're going to toss over to Nick here with uh, some things of his own. Yes, I just want to give a quick shout out. If our very loyal listeners, our day ones, remember way back in the day, episode seven, we talked to Kenyatta Smith of Harvard Basketball. Well, uh, Kenyatta Smith recently popped the question to his girlfriend. She said yes in New York. Yada and Yasmin, congratulations to you guys. Both names start with YA, so there's plenty of options for the wedding hashtag there. Uh, Looking forward to it, and uh, congratulations to Yada. Yeah, that's big time, man. Friend of the pod right there, uh, locking it down for life. Love to see that. And I will say this: if they don't, yeah, if they don't use Yaya in some form, I'm going to be very upset with you, Yada. <laughs> yeah. Nick, you want to pop in the question anytime soon? Excuse me. What is love, baby? Don't hurt me. No, you heard that right, Nick. <laughs> um, you know, we are we are going with the flow. We are having a good time, and uh, we'll see when what happens. When you'll know when it happens for sure. So. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to make any announcements here on the podcast because uh, I don't have any announcements planned yet. So uh, we will continue to go not gracefully into our futures. That's my politically correct answer. <laughs> I mean, I just want to, I just want to get your thoughts on that. You know, it seems like a lot of friends get married and you know, you're the only one in a relationship in this podcast. So it's, uh, it's, it's a very, it's a very fair question. And, uh, you know, we are very happy. Anna and I are doing wonderfully and uh, we will progress into our uh, late 20s and see what happens. I really uh, enjoyed you asking that question, Sully, because I got to watch Nick answer that. <laughs> I really wish I could have seen what he looked like uh, answering that one. And I know that uh, Anna listens to the podcast, so she'll get uh, she'll get to hear all about this and hopefully you guys can discuss it at that point. Oh, yeah. That, that sounds like a good, uh, good plan there. Um, <laughs> but for now, I think the best option to do it is end the podcast. <laughs> this has been episode 76. Cautiously optimistic. It had been a minute, but we're back. We're happy to be back with you guys. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to get yourself down to Lucky Boy. Again, as like last time, we're recording this around lunchtime. It is 12, 16 p.m. You know what to do. Lucky Boy is there serving hot and fresh, hot and ready, whatever you want to eat. And uh, thanks again for listening. 
Thank you for listening. Follow us on everything, uh, including Zanga, MySpace as well. Always. Uh, you mentioned it. You know where I'm going right now. And you know I say it every week. People probably think I'm lying, but I'm not. I'm literally about to go to Lucky Boy right now. Uh, so I uh, hope to see you there. Yeah, man. You know what it is. Follow us on LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Uh, and we'll catch you real, real soon from our hot podcast action. And that is not a joke. We do have a LinkedIn page. Go check it out. What is love?